Hey, it's Pat Gray for Stu on the Glenn Beck Program. Today on the podcast, we'll speak with Mike Pompeo and talk about Cav Pack or the Champion American Values Pack. Their goal is to support conservative candidates ahead of the midterm election and the 2024 presidential election. Also, President Biden continues to make the U.S. look bad while he's hanging around the Europeans at the G7 summit. A local Fox reporter revealed on air that she's been secretly working with Project Veritas and is working towards exposing the company for silencing the reporters. Apparently, she's going to release behind-the-scenes footage. We'll also look at what cases the Supreme Court is taking on soon. And finally, Glenn is hosting his first art show in Park City, the Park City Fine Art, with all proceeds going to Mercury One and the American Journey Experience Museum. And guarantee that'll be better than Hunter Biden's finger paintings. All this and lots more coming up today on the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I am thrilled to have the uh, former U.S. Secretary of State, former CIA director, and chairman of CAVPAC, which he'll talk about here in just a second, Mike Pompeo on with us. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. It's great to be with you on your show today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I really uh, sincerely mean I really appreciate everything you have done uh, for the country and honestly for the world, especially Israel and the Middle East. What you guys pulled off is absolutely amazing, and I hate to see it torpedoed like it's being, but uh, thank you for that. Well, Glenn, thank you for the kind words. Uh, We did do good work, important work for the American people, important work for the people of Israel and the relationship between our two countries. It has been, I'll be honest, it has been a tough 140 or whatever the heck number of days it is to watch them already begin to undo what was really going to create prosperity and peace in the region. I think it, the Abraham Accords will withstand it, but it's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of effort from people who are diligent in making sure that those relationships don't deteriorate under this administration. I have to tell you, um, you know, uh, Joe Biden, even going in to meet with Putin, is a little like Minnie Mouse trying to have a civil conversation <laughs> with Peg Leg Pete. I mean, it's just, there's no strength there at all. No strength. Uh, how do you how do you suggest those meetings are going to go? Uh, it's, there's a lot of risk, uh, Glenn. These are high stakes things. I watched President Trump go through it when I met with Chairman Kim. These were these were big events. And you had to be ready. It, it was it was really sad because the the setup is always so important here. Here, the setup was we began by joining the Paris Climate Accords, telling Vladimir Putin he'll be the world's biggest energy producer and by lifting some sanctions on some of his buddies it's not that we can't find places we can work with vladimir putin we certainly did but you got to be clear and you got to be tough and you have to be cognizant of the risks and the malign activities engaged in i fear that that's not what we're in, uh, we're that's not what we're going to see in these next 24 hours in this meeting i i have to tell you i don't know if i'm sure you did see what the uh uh, the president of Poland said, uh, but he's like, nobody in America is consulting with us. And uh, Biden is no Reagan and Putin is not Gorbachev. And we're going to be the ones that pay the price. You know, it's especially uh, 
poignant coming from the polls. You remember, Glenn, there was the polls and uh, Lequalesa and uh, uh, Pope John Paul II and Ronald Reagan, who crushed the tyranny from the Soviet Union. And to hear the polls now saying they fear that the United States is not going to be up to the task is really a historical myth and dangerous, not only for the polls in Eastern Europe, but for us as well. So I, I, we have so much to cover in so little time. So let me just go through a couple of things. The ransomware attacks. I've never heard a president say, well, it's a private issue in the and the president should just or I mean, these companies, they have to decide whether they they pay the blackmail. Oh, stunning. Glenn, Can you a, tell me? The, go ahead. Yeah, this is an attack on America. And it came through a commercial right? attack, right? It, it came through an attack on a commercial enterprise, but the, but the capacity for pipelines to move product around our East Coast is an American national security interest to suggest for a moment that we're going to hand this over to some private entity. Oh, goodness, it's about like handing over your social media to these big old nasty social media companies. We, we, we have to help these businesses protect their systems, and then it has to be a national effort to impose costs on those who put American lives at risk by denying us the ability to move product around our world, our country. So is there a strong enough connection between these hackers and Putin that we, we know Putin at least knows about it and is okaying it with a wink and a nod? Well, I, I can't tell you about this particular interest in, in incident and what we know because I was out of government, but what I can say this, all the right. hallmarks of what took place here suggest this is, some folks who are operating from Russian soil in a space that is almost certainly underwritten by one of Vladimir Putin's buddies, the oligarch system. And Putin, at the very least, is turning a blind eye to it and probably more. And so it's appropriate to hold Vladimir Putin and the Russians accountable for the actions right. taking place on, inside of their own country. And we, we've got to do it. And there are tools by which we can. Um, let me just quickly uh, it looks like, um, well, it doesn't look like, I, I know it just happened. State Department uh, was investigating COVID and the Wuhan lab and everything else. And uh, Biden just took that and shut that down and moved it over to the CIA. My theory is, is that that way he, he doesn't have to release anything because it can, you know, intelligence can be, um, uh, you know, can be held as uh, top secret. Was there evidence on this Wuhan lab when you were in office, and 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 are we ever going to hear what really happened? So Glenn, I have a unique perspective, having led both the CIA and the State Department consecutively. When I was a Secretary of State, when the Wuhan virus uh, was foisted upon the world by the Chinese Communist Party, we began to move heaven and earth to try and figure out what happened. We had the tools to try and figure out if this was a part of a bioweapons uh, effort on behalf of the CCP. And we learned a lot. And so, Glenn, while I can't tell your listeners today, we know the answer with certainty. I am confident that this came from the virology lab. We know enough to, to say that. We also know enough to know they're continuing to cover it up, and so we know plenty to hold them accountable. There's no evidence this, this administration wants to confront that. Three million people dead around the world, hundreds of thousands in the United States, Family still, family still here in the United States upended by this thing. Kids having trouble coming out of these lockdown, crazy lockdowns. The Chinese Communist Party has to be made to pay a price, at the least a price sufficient to make sure they'll do what they can to make sure something like this never happens again. 
talking to um, uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, you are starting um, a what's called a CAV pack, um, CAV champion American values, and also uh, kind of a tip of the hat to your time in the Army as a cavalry office uh, officer. Uh, but it's CAV pack, and it is looking to uh, get real conservatives and real conservative candidates into the 2022 cycle. Tell me about it. So, Glenn, I was a businessman in Kansas back in 2010 when Barack Obama was taking our country in the wrong direction. I I gave up that wonderful life with my family back in Kansas to go run for Congress Mm. to throw Nancy Pelosi out. Uh, This effort is in those same lines. It's my effort from the place that I find myself today to lead what we've called CAV back. You're right. What does CAV do? It rides to the sound of the gun. It alerts it, it, it sounds the siren when there's a real risk to something that matters an awful lot. And so we're going to go find conservative candidates, uh, uh, true believers in uh, American workers and our American middle class. We're going to find them and we're going to help them be successful in getting elected, not just to take back the House and the Senate, but city council races. We did a state legislative race in New Hampshire last week. We're helping a fellow out. We've got to make sure that we drive this message and help good candidates get elected. And if you go to CAVPAC.com, I think you'll see there's real action and a, a real heart for delivering good outcomes for our country. I'll tell you, Mike, I am I'm not only looking for people that understand, uh, you know, the average worker and, and uh, how business is done, but I'm, I'm also looking for somebody who will stand up for the Constitution because that thing is gone. I mean, we are not following it at all, uh, it seems right now. And both parties seem to have, uh, you know, seem to play not an equal part, but a part in ignoring it when they want to. Glenn, there's no doubt the party that I've been a part of for decades now has its own its own challenges. We've got to confront them. We've got to take them on. Uh, when I was at the State Department, we engaged in a mission, you know, to your point, the State Department lost its way talking about human rights. It was talking about things that were crazy. And so we created this commission designed to go back and talk about our founding. What, what, what is it that we really believe in? Why do we believe in? How do we put forward these ideas? Trying to get my diplomats around the world to understand that we shouldn't apologize for America. It's this exceptional country. And so we, 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 we went back and regrounded the work that we were doing. That's what America needs. It needs a regrounding in these first principles, the things that you and I learned in schools. We need to go teach them in our schools again. We're not doing that today. If we get that wrong, I, I, I joke, uh, but I'm three-quarters serious. I, I met with the Taliban. I met with Chairman Kim. The biggest risk today is inside of our schools. If we don't get that right, if we're not brave Thank enough you. and fearless enough to go stand up and demand that we teach our kids about the greatness of our nation, then this next generation will take us to a path where, you know, as our founders knew, we could lose the republic. So um, yesterday, uh, I'm, I'm big on the Great Reset uh, from the World Economic Forum. I mean, almost every politician around the world in the West is using Build Back Better, uh, which is from the World Economic Forum. Yesterday, uh, Biden gave a uh, speech, and I'm going to talk about it here in a few minutes, but he gave a speech, and he said, you know, we're, it, for us to be able to best China, we all have to work together. Then he went through the stated goals. All of them were right directly from the Great Reset in the um, uh, of the World Economic Forum. Do you do you think that there is a uh, a 
an effort underway that these corporations and the government are starting to put a little private public partnership together. Uh, Biden continues continuously says, you know, it's it's a test. We're going to see in the next couple of years whether whether or not a democracy like ours can survive against these authoritarian states. They can just move quickly. Glenn, it saddens me when I hear that. that that's the story. You know, when President Biden talks about going back, we're back. He means back to Barack Obama. Right? That's that, that story that you hear yeah. is managing American decline. We, we can't. This is not America. We're going to win this. We, we've got to get it right. and We have to be fearless in doing so. When I when I hear them say that it, the China presents a challenge, you know, a, a challenge is figuring out um, whether you want to go to the store at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. The threat is the Chinese Communist Party. And I, I saw the statement that came out this week. You know, it's it's OK, but it doesn't begin to comprehend the threat that the Chinese Communist Party presents. And then, you know, this it'll take American leadership to get this right. We're going to have to demonstrate that our businesses are prepared to sacrifice and our businesses are prepared to be the technology leaders. And we're not going to suffer the Chinese Communist Party uh, censorship and cancellation for our American companies. We're going to demand fair and free trade. If we get those things right, Glenn, America's going to push back against this threat from Xi Jinping and his commie buddies. We can do it. We've done it before. And it's just going to take American leadership to get it right. I, sadly, we don't have a president that I think is prepared to do that today. Do you uh, stay in touch with President Trump? And if so, how's he doing? I do. He's doing great. He wants to be part of the fight in the same way I'm trying to work every day to be part of the fight. And he knows that the things that we did these past four years made lives for ordinary Americans better. I think he's oh, saddened yeah. to see what they've done in these first hundred days too. We, we knew, we knew when you got president Biden, we knew what we were in for. I don't think any of us believed that the left had captured him so much that they would move this far, this left, this fast. And so time is nigh. We got to get after it. We got to win in 2022 and shorten the runway. All right. So you are looking for people that want to run uh, and need some help and some advice. You're looking for anybody who is running in 2022 at CAVPAC, C-A-V-P-A-C dot com. Correct? Correct. Only conservatives need to apply, Glenn. <laughs> Again, Mike, thank you so much for everything that you have done uh, as CIA director and, and uh, secretary of state. It was it was you, uh, it was amazing to watch you guys. It really was. Thank you. Well, bless you, Glenn. We'll talk again soon. So long, sir. You got it. Bye bye. Cavpack dot com. We all have to consider running, um, especially at the local level. You've got to replace your school board. You have to. It has to have just the strongest people you can possibly imagine who know what critical race theory is, who knows what America really stands for, and do not move. Run for your school board. It is very, very easy, believe it or not, uh, to win. The best of the Glenn Beck program. So I am trying to eat healthier, and I am. But the thing is... 
I don't like healthy food. I don't like any of it. You've heard of a fat suit, right? I mean, there's got to be. When are we getting a skinny suit? Something that will make me look skinny because I just want treats all the time. I grew up in a bakery for the love of Pete. The bad news is no skinny suit is coming. You actually have to do the work, blah, blah, blah. That's why I am eating Built Bars. It satisfies my sweet tooth, but it's a protein bar, but not like, you know, that's like eating stuff at the bottom of my chalkboard usually. This is 100% real chocolate. It's low carb, low sugar. If I'm eating a protein bar as a treat, come on, you gotta know it's good. And I am. Mint brownie, cookies and cream, the new flavors that are coming out all the time, they're fantastic. Go to BuiltBar.com and Use the promo code BECK15 for 15% off your order. Your mouth is going to water just looking at them. Trust me, BuiltBar.com, promo code BECK15. First, just a quick personal note. I can't thank you enough for all of your support. There's so many people that are are uh, just have been rooting for me uh, on my, uh, my art project, American uh, Heroes, Myths, and Legends. Uh, and as I announced yesterday, it's going to be at Park City Fine Art. You can go to the website now and find out more about it at parkcityfineart.com. Uh, we announced earlier this morning uh, that we are going to have an official show. It's so funny because they're like, and we'll have the, uh, the artist reception. at, And I'm, I'm like, yep, that's what we should do, an artist reception. I have no idea what any of this means. Um, but anyway, we're uh, we're going to be doing that July 26th through July 31st in Park City at Park City Fine Art. Uh, it's uh, when they debut the work. I think it's up right now, but they're going to be taking it down soon. Um, and I'm going to be there on Saturday, July 31st. So the last day uh, of July, I will be there in Park City at Park City Fine Art. The proceeds that I make from the art, I want you to know, go to Mercury One, the American Journey Center for the uh, prevent uh, for <laughs> prevention, the uh, preservation of history, also um, OUR and the Nazarene Fund. So, all my all my um, profits will be going to Mercury One. Find it uh, at parkcityfineart.com. Okay, let me go real quickly now, my friend, to the former Biden COVID-19 czar. Oh, I've missed these czars. Here he is on COVID-19. How much of this pandemic was preventable and how? Well, of course, we would have had a, a pandemic here in the U.S. no matter what, um, but but and look, we can count the, the the mistakes, and I think it's important that we do, if for nothing else, so we don't repeat them. We obviously had a set of technical mistakes with the testing and, and the, the PPE that we know about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if we're honest, we also yeah. had two other, two other types of mistakes that caused a lot of loss of life. One were just plainly political leadership mistakes. Um, there was a lot. We denied mm -hmm. the virus for too long out of the Trump White House. We, there was too much squashing of oh dissent and playing on divisions. But I'd also think we all need uh -huh. to look at one another and ask ourselves, um, what do we need to do better next time? And in many respects, yeah. being able to sacrifice a little bit for one another. Um, to get through this and to save more lives is going to be is going to be essential, and that's something that I think we could all right. have done a little bit better on. Mm. Right, we could have sacrificed a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the sacrifice of forty percent of all businesses now being closed—I mean, permanently out of business—only forty percent. 
But I don't know if that sacrifice was good enough. Or the fact that teen suicide now is up at 31%. I think a few more of us could have sacrificed our children. Uh, you know, throw it up on the altar of, uh, of uh, Anthony Fauci. I think we could have done it, right? Could have done it. Go to hell. Yeah. Who do you think you are telling us that we should, we should sacrifice more? Oh, my God. Gosh, that is oh my gosh, so and, reminiscent and by of the Jimmy way, Carter in those days, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. Blaming yeah, everything and on the by American the way, people. Everybody on the left, the media, and everything. Oh, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump was a little slow. Really, was he? Because when he shut down Europe, when he shut down travel from China, you all belly ached and said, "Oh my gosh, what a racist!" And you're on TV saying, "Come on down to Chinatown." Don't start with me. Some of mm. us have memories. Now, you know, Lori Lightfoot, uh, who is just delightful, I would say a fox, but uh, yeah, she's just <laughs> she's just delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she's, you know, taking some heat because she was uh, uh, she was only meeting with uh you know, minorities, uh, reporters, uh, she didn't want to meet with any white reporters. Uh, now yesterday she came out and she said, or the day before yesterday, she came out and said, uh, you know, really that only lasted two days. So it's really not a problem. Well, it only lasted two days because everybody on the planet hammered you for it. Here she mm. is, uh, speaking to, uh, John Berman, the Chicago Mary Lori Light. By the way, Lori Lightfoot. Is she Gordon Lightfoot's mom? mom? Yeah. Or, or grandmother. Cause Gordon's only 82. I think she might be his grandmother. So, wow. Cause he's quite a bit. I younger. didn't know the connection. Cause I've, yeah. I've always, you know, I've looked at Lightfoot and I think Native American, but I never thought of Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, so does she know about the uh, the, the sinking of, of the Edmunds Fitzgerald? Well, yeah, because it's a legend that lives on from the Chippewa on down. It, you know, on the big lake they right. call Gitchigumi. So she knows, right? She knows, she knows. Okay, here's here's Gordon Lightfoot's mom, Lori Lightfoot. I'm the mayor of the third largest city in the country. I'm an African American. Wow, they even sound woman, alike. To state the obvious. Don't Every day know. when I look out across my podium. I don't see people who look like me, but more to the point, I don't see people who reflect the richness and diversity of the city. So yes, I started a long overdue conversation about diversity in newsrooms and coverage. You all are the mirrors on society. You reflect with a critical and important lens the news of the day. You hold public officials like me accountable. Okay, stop. Just pause it for a second. Keep that on screen. May I ask? No, no. See if you can keep that on screen. Uh, May I ask, uh, (laughs) Pat, my monitor here at the ranch is very small. Mm -hmm. Is he... Is he Native American or is he Indian or Hispanic? John Berman? The reporter. Yeah. John Berman. So uh, is yeah. he white? Uh, well, yes. I think he's, I think he's okay, actually Okay. I don't know because I can't see. He just looks, yeah. he just looks from, from in, I'm well, looking at a like two by two monitor here. Yeah. Uh, and he looks like um, uh, an Indian and I don't mean American Indian. And, and he, but, he looks uh, a little constipated as well. So I think there might be some of that going on, too. Well, 
It's probably his white guilt. If he's a white guy, yeah. that explains that. It's yeah, not it constipation. It's, it's white guilt. Uh, by the way, <laughs> for those who have been waiting, waiting for the follow-up to white fragility, I mean, some people I know didn't read it, and you have to read it because you won't understand the second one. There is another volume coming out in the series. It's called Nice Racism. Uh-huh. And it's Robin DiAngelo's new book. I've been waiting. Finally. For, I mean, I think the whole country, oh, the yeah. whole country has been saying, Robin, we, you can't leave us on that cliffhanger there at the end of White Fragility. <laughs> what happens to the main characters? So she, so she has nice racism coming out. And um, she's, this one is written directly to white people oh. as a white person. Uh, she identifies many common white racial patterns and breaks down how well-intentioned white people unknowingly perpetuate racial harm. Uh, and I think that's great. Um, it's just, I'm glad somebody's finally willing to say it. Uh, she said those patterns include rushing to prove that we're not racist. Okay. Um, downplaying white advantage romanticizing black indigenous and other peoples of color that happens hmm. all the time i've been Weird. romanticizing yeah that all the time me too sometimes i uh, pretend to be all three at the same time black indigenous and other Do peoples you? of color yeah that is so yeah. romantic isn't it that is so romantic yeah yeah pretending white segregation just happens <laughs> she's on to us yep you know i have to tell you in my last HOA meeting, which some say I never attend, but, uh, oh, mm-hmm. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, we were specifically, well, we didn't actually use these words, but we're like, how can we keep this neighborhood segregated? Mm-hmm. And that's when a lot of the guys who are black that live <laughs> uh, in my neighborhood were like, excuse me? And I'm like, oh, Oh, you're probably not black. You're probably a sellout to your race. And they were like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, and then the feeling that we've all had, she explains uh, the feeling, just feeling immobilized by shame. Wow. And I think that's what is happening to my son. I really do. Uh, I thought it was just sheer, unadulterated laziness. <laughs> But, but no. I think that it, no, I think he's immobilized by shame. Uh, and she, what's great is she writes candidly about her own missteps and her own struggles. Um, hmm. You know, and to, she does it to encourage white readers to continually face their complicity and embrace courage. The, because you're going to need it in that lifelong commitment of accountability. And, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, here are the table of contents. What is a nice racist? Uh, second chapter is the one I think I'm buying it for. Why it's okay to generalize about white people. Oh, I well, think that one is. Yeah, because they're white, obviously. Uh, that's why it's okay. Right. It's a short book. Yeah. It's a short book. <laughs> what is a nice racist? Uh, one that, uh, you know, doesn't beat you over the head and kill you. Uh, I mean, without a smile on their face. Uh, why is it okay to generalize about white people? Because they're white. Mm-hmm. There is no choir, chapter three. 
I don't think you need more than the headline on that one. Uh, what's wrong with niceness? Well, a lot. A lot. I, honestly, a lot. Yeah. People need I mean, to be niceness meaner. doesn't always get you. No. You know, you got to be, you got to, sometimes you have to sit a, uh, set a city on fire to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, Still some the shoes moves, along the way. The moves of the white progressives. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. I wonder if that chapter, that's chapter five in Robin D'Angelo's new book, um, Nice Racism, um, the moves of white progressives. I wonder if that includes how all of those white progressives that set up BLM, you know, the global network, um, how all those white people set that up and then uh, bilked everybody who gave to BLM. You know, remember, we told you, but of course, Robin D'Angelo was saying, hey, BLM, donate to BLM. And who got rich? Uh, the white liberal progressive. So, well, and Patrice uh, Cullors, right. uh, obviously the co-founder of BLM. She made a few bucks on the on the side, too, which was. Oh, I know. couldn't disagree with you. It didn't really anymore. I'm, I mean, okay. She yes, she's <laughs> she's an accomplice. She's an accomplished, accomplished artist. Well, and uh, just like uh, and Hunter a tra- Biden. trained Marxist as well. So, you know, she right. All right. her intents are good. She, yeah. And she knows how to make money as all Marxists do. <laughs> yes. Uh, you steal it from you steal it from others. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And we really want to thank you for listening. That's not what one dad did. His estranged daughter, when his child support ended, he dropped off his final child support payment, dumping 80,000 pennies on his wife's lawn. Oh, so I, that's not very nice. That's just not very nice. Funny, sure. Hard to do, you bet. Uh, not as hard, probably, as picking them up out of the grass uh, and, then bringing, and then bringing them to the bank to have them count all of them. But, uh, hey, it's legal tender. It is legal tender. Actually, you can't do that, can you, Pat? You, I, don't, I didn't think you could. I thought the banks could say, no, we're not accepting that. I don't. I, I'm not sure about the legality of that. I, I don't know how you turn down legal tender, though. Like you said, it is legal. So why not? And especially since he paid her, not the bank. Here's your money. <laughs> Although that's vindictive, and I, I, I can't. Yeah, well, that. not a good example for no, his daughter. Not you a know, good one really. Um, here's the uh, here's some good news for you. CNN's hour long interview which clips were played all last week and people were talking about. It was an interview with President Barack Obama. And uh, it was needed at CNN because their ratings are really bad. Uh, And the interview did uh, uh, nothing for the bad ratings at CNN. Nobody watched. Nobody watched. Half a million people watched. probably extra for the Anderson Cooper 360 watch the show uh, by the way uh, that was half of what Tucker Carlson had uh, the same night so President Obama 
not really heated uh, very much. And you know why? Because most people on the left, and this is an honest observation by somebody who used to work for him. Uh, They told me privately that um, people were not with him. The Marxists were not with him because they felt that he had sold out to Hillary Clinton and the Clinton gang, uh, which in some ways he did. I mean, not from my perspective, uh, because I think he did a lot of damage to the country, but not enough for the Marxists. And that's why he couldn't draw a crowd, why nobody had any passion, because he had become a guy that was there to play the corporate game and make lots and lots of money, which which he did. Now, uh, Nickelodeon ratings are out. Have you seen what Nickelodeon is uh, doing? Nick Jr. has released videos uh, championing things like trans, queer, and pansexual inclusion. Uh, One video that sparked a lot of outrage depicted a cartoon version of a drag queen singing about various LGBTQIA plus two groups loving each other so proudly on Blue's Clues and You, a show for two to five-year-olds. And I think that's, those were the clues that I was hoping Blue would find. I don't know about you, Pat, but... Uh, Absolutely. I want... Don't you... Doesn't everybody want their two to five-year-old in touch with their sexu- sexuality and everybody else's? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Finally has... <laughs> has Somebody has the guts to say it. Now, uh, the viewership has dropped from 1.3 million average viewers per week to 372,000. Wow. Oh, that's great. I mean, that is... That's great. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, looks like Paramount wow. and uh, and Nickelodeon are in some, gosh darn it, financial trouble. Did you see Jon Stewart uh, on, uh, uh, what's his name, the really obnoxious, not funny guy? Mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert. Thank you for knowing that. Did you see him when he came out? Uh, I mean, didn't come I, out. I shouldn't have left it at that. <laughs> oh, he came out. Hmm. Uh, nobody, no, he I was didn't. Talking yeah. about the, he was talking about the vaccine, right? Uh, or, or the uh, actually where the virus came from. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? So this was the, the, yeah, this was the return of the Colbert show to the Sullivan Theater because you know the vaccine is out now. And uh, he walks on stage uh, and he gets, you know, a standing ovation. And then he grinned, uh, grinned uh, widely as he embraced his band leader, John Batiste, which I, I have all of his album. And uh, he said, we never really left, but we certainly weren't here. And it's like the first day back at school. I'm really happy. Uh, because uh, we've all been vaccinated. I know I'm not going to get COVID. Um, and uh, a lot of people didn't take good care of themselves during the pandemic. But mm. I want you to I want you to meet a good friend, John Stewart, everybody. And John Stewart walked out and listened to this. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has in many ways helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic, uh, which was more than likely caused by science. 
What do you mean by that? Do you mean like okay, so perhaps there's, there's, there's a chance that this is created in a lab, there's an investigation? A chance? Well, I, so, I, 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 oh I, my God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. <laughs> That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then the actual scientists are like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, no. I, you, you, the wait, name wait, of your lab, wait. if you look at the name, look at the name. Can I, let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the... Coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it squeezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, wait, okay. Wait, okay. Wait, 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 what about this? What about this? Listen to this. Wait a second. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. <laughs> that's funnier than John Stewart's wow. been in 30 years. That was, that's I know. And good. It's brilliant, and it's the truth. And yep. notice the audience is all for it, and Colbert is not. Mm-hmm. Colbert is like, well, I, you know, if there's actual evidence, I'd like to hear it. No, uh, you know, Stephen, that's the funny thing about being a comedian. You sometimes play on the obvious to make people laugh. Now, I know you haven't, well, you, you have tried a long time, but you haven't made that happen I think ever, um, except when you were with John Stewart. Isn't that weird? Um, but John Stewart is not only making people laugh about it; he's stating the obvious, mm-hmm. and the audience is is with him. It's with him. It definitely. Every time Colbert tries to stop him, the audience he, he's like, "No, no, no!" And the audience cheers. I think that was amazing. Now let me give you uh, Chuck Schumer because. He is so woke, so woke. And I want to give you a clip of uh, what he was talking about uh, when he was uh, doing an interview. Uh, he was uh, wanting to build some extra housing for those in need. And and here's what he said. And it, this initiative actually will house the homeless population that is actually living on our streets. We see them every day. Yes. We're about to yes. house them. And they're against it. It's it, It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's I I, find, I have found that my whole career. They wanted to build a, uh, in when I first was assemblyman. Mm-hmm. They wanted to build a, a congregate living place for retarded children. Uh-oh. The whole neighborhood was against it. These are homeless kids. They just needed right. some help. Yeah, Oopsie the retarded. Daisies. They're just they're just so sweet. All those 
<laughs> retards. Thank you very much, <laughs> Chuck Schumer. What a ridiculous. And, wow. you know, they, they won't say anything about that. They won't say a word about that. But I'll bet you that what I just said will be taken out of context. And they're like, Glenn Beck mm-hmm. said the R word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>